Pastor Hager's example and, and now through his book would be um, a light and an influence to others going through similar challenges in life. And so, Lord, I just uh, pray your blessing upon the rest of our time this morning. In, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for your great mercies. Uh, Lord, we're how honored and privileged and blessed we are this morning to be able to be together in your presence. And we thank you, Father, for the privilege that you've given to us as your people. 
Uh, we pray, Father, that for the honor that we have to be called children of God because we're children of the promise and we've put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for the righteousness that only he could supply. We thank you for your promise through the oath and the covenant that was made in Christ's blood on the cross of Calvary. And you made him sin on our behalf that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Thank you for imputed righteousness you gave to us <clears throat> who owed such a debt for our sin. And we thank you for our helper, the Holy Spirit, who guides us and teaches us. And it empowers us to walk in light of your will. Father, help us to walk as your people in the light of your will that we might be the salt and light of the earth that you've called us to be. We give our hearts to worship Jesus Christ this morning and remember his great sacrifice until he returns in glory and power as the Lord of Lords and King of Kings and Prince of Peace. For it's in his glorious name that we pray. Amen. Amen. I think we can release to Children's Church at this time. And... We're blessed today. We'll have dinner on the grounds following the services, so be sure and join us for that time together of fellowship. We look forward to that each month as, as well as looking forward to uh, the wonderful blessing that we had of, uh, in the time of sharing on our second Sunday of each month. But, but the purpose for this day is to remember our Lord Jesus' sacrifice and that, that uh, on the cross of Calvary that was, uh, was uh, supplied for us, the righteousness that has been supplied for us <clears throat> through his uh, sacrifice and love for you. So um, prepare your hearts to come to the Lord's table this, this time together, and uh, we would look then at uh, being... Uh, children of, of God through the promise that God has given us of redemption in our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we remember these things. And it's uh, this morning I just wanted to kind of uh, sum up some of the things that we've been learning from uh, Romans, a, a study of the book of Romans. Uh, sum up a, a little bit as to what it means to be children of the promise <clears throat> and to <clears throat> not only know uh, by that, that promise <clears throat> that God has <clears throat> redeemed us from the penalty of our sin and brought us into his family, but he's given us uh, through that, those promises uh, that sanctification, that power that Christ is able to work in our lives to uh, redeem us uh, or deliver us from the power of sin in our lives. And it's the huge mes message of Romans chapter, uh, Romans uh, through chapter 9 that we've, we've studied and looked at. So let's consider the children of promise this morning. And uh, it was interesting because... A couple of weeks ago, 
<clears throat> there was a post and on uh, uh, Facebook uh, I made and uh, <clears throat> and a comment was made that uh, about me and another person. They said I, I I worked with your mamas in the with your mama as a nurse in the hospital and and your mamas raised good boys. Okay, so I thought about that for a long time as I was studying. Uh, studying through the book of Romans here and looking at chapter 9 again and <clears throat> things that we've talked about these last number of weeks. <clears throat> and so I was going, okay, I'm considering, uh, you know, and, and let me just preempt this statement with, with the, the fact that, that my mom was a, an amazing mother. She, was, she really was a, uh, you know, as far as a, a mom, she was just top-notch. She was really a wonderful mom and uh, much appreciated. Uh, so I, I was gracious in my response, but I, I carried this thought of, was I really a good boy? <laughs> and, you know, of course we've been looking at this where there's none good, no, not one, not even one. <clears throat> and I go, okay. Uh, I was taught how to inhale a cigarette at five years old. Um, I, I quit in the third grade uh, stealing and smoking cigarettes and, and dipping skull in, in, in Copenhagen that we would steal at Mr. Wilson's store. I wasn't really a good boy. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I quit because I read in the health book that you couldn't be an athlete without you know, if, if you uh, were too involved with alcohol and, and smoking and that kind of thing, that it was bad for your health and bad for your venture. And of course, that was my venture <clears throat> at the time. <clears throat> it's what I wanted to do. Uh, when I was in the ninth grade, I was a, uh, a mighty 115 pounds of, of uh, paper weight. <laughs> And, uh, and I, I, I prayed to the Lord. I said, Lord, if you'll let me start this year, I'll serve you. I lied just like a dog. I wasn't a good boy. <laughs> there was not much good, uh, in, uh, uh, and, and there's worse things after. You know, I mean, uh, I, I just had to, uh, in thinking through, uh, what the scripture has to say about us and what, uh, what was being said that, no, I really wasn't a good boy, but I've been saved by God's grace. And, uh, and God, he's doing a work. Uh, and we're all a work in progress. Uh, but in that progress and in that, that progression of things, we need to understand that, um, that not only uh, was I not a good boy, but in my flesh... There's not anything that is pleasing to God or would bring me into any state of righteousness or, or anything apart from being a child of promise, apart from faith in what Christ has done for us on the cross of Calvary. And it, it, what it, it does is it highlights what we celebrate this morning in the communion service. It highlights the fact that... that 
the righteousness of Christ imputed to us was absolutely necessary for the forgiveness of our sin. And it was absolutely necessary for, uh, for what God, his plan for you is. Because you have been called as God's people to represent uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. We carry his name. And he has supplied through his grace that, that again, this passage that I bring up all the time. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. There's the good. The good works which he before ordained for us. God ordained it. God called you to it. He has uh, uh, elected you and chosen you for purposes that only he can do through you. So, uh, but it's essential for us to understand that in our flesh, that the flesh is going to war against the spirit. The spirit is going to war against the flesh. And it's never going to cease until this body of sin and death is, goes to the grave and we receive that resurrection body. We're sealed with the, with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. And we're a work in progress. It's so important for us to understand that my brother and my sister is a work in progress. And, uh, you know, and we, we, we go about that process and that procedure at Grace Bible Church as God's people of forgiving one another and walking in light of the truth that we know of God's word and what it means to, uh, to, to press on for the mark of that high calling that God has given to each one of us. Everybody has it. Everybody in Christ Jesus has been given a high calling by God. And the goal is to encourage one another that we may proceed uh, toward that goal of that high calling that God has given to us. And I pray that we might walk this morning and walk away from Grace Bible Church with the knowledge of that truth that God has called us to something that's really significant. It's hugely important because we carry the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and you were left here, you came to this time for that very purpose, to honor the name of Jesus Christ. So uh, put off the weight of sin. Uh, take up the mantle of, of the spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ. We want to confess our sins this morning and walk in the light of his truth, in the light of holiness, in the light of his very nature and character. So we want to think about the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to think about the cross often moment by moment, because it is the life source through which righteousness, the righteousness of God, uh, comes and flows through God's people. So uh, just to look at some of our notes here in regard to the children of promise, that's who you are, children of promise. The scripture tells us that not none, not even one does good. Not even one. So, uh, you know, we're given the commandments, and the commandments are holy and just and righteous and, and good, and they, they tell us uh, about the glory of God. That's what Moses asked for. If you go back to the book of Exodus, he said, show me your glory. Teach me about yourself. I want to know you. And so the purpose for the giving of the law was, was to, to, to highlight the holiness and righteousness of God. The law is good, but... 
Um, none of us does good in, in the keeping of the commandments or, or living up to that standard. And yet we've been called, and the scripture says in Romans chapter 8 again, that we've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. He has come, and he has saved you, and he has called you to do that very thing in your life, to conform you, uh, to see you conformed as the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus Christ wants to make you and has, has conformed you into the image of God through uh, the, uh, the man Christ Jesus that, that the Son of God uh, birthed through a virgin by the Holy Spirit came and took upon himself flesh and demonstrated for us. We, uh, we saw the, the word of God made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, glory of the only begotten of the Father. That's our Lord Jesus. That's who we gather around this table on Sunday morning to remember him, to remember his work, to remember what he has done because he's the firstborn among many brethren and you're one of the brethren. God has called you into his family. The scripture says, and this is from Luke chapter 18, but a ruler questioned him saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God above. Notice what Jesus says. Now, I want to say that, that there's a, a difference, uh, uh, there seems to be a difference in the, the, the terminology that's used in the scripture uh, because we know things like, uh, and, and Lori and I were talking about it earlier this week, that, that um, you know, Lot, the scripture says that Lot was a righteous man. And we know that there were righteous men in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. They were righteous men. Um, but Jesus is saying here, and Romans chapter 3 tells us very clearly, that there's none, not even one, that does good. Uh, and Jesus says that no one is good except God above. Uh, that's the, the sad uh, state that mankind is in. And it goes on to say, you know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. And Jesus rehearses uh, part of the Ten Commandments there. So, you know, and, and there's a lot to think about in regard to how Jesus uh, uh, talks, addresses uh, this young man. He's, it's the, uh, uh, I call the rich young ruler there that... Uh, that Jesus uh, had a conversation with, but uh, not keeping of the commandments or the keeping of the commandments doesn't get us there. But I think what Jesus uh, did uh, say and did describe was the, the nature of the holiness and righteousness of God, which brings us to the failure of recognition that we fall short, that there's none good. Um, and, and so he carries on with this, uh, and he goes further, and he says, uh, and it's, it's not the security of our treasure, okay? So uh, it's not the security of our treasure. And then he said, all these things, this is a, the, the young uh, man there, he says, all these things have I kept from my youth. You know, I've, I've kept 
the law. <clears throat> and then Jesus, when Jesus heard this, he said to them, one thing you still lack, sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when he had heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. So, uh, and so what's the commentary here? Is it, does it mean that if you have money that you, that you can't be saved? Well, I don't think that that uh, was what uh, the point of the passage is or what, what's being said here. There is none who does good. There is not even one, according to Romans 3.12. The, the point is that uh, uh, the security placed uh, in our treasure uh, is uh, a distraction from God's plan for our redemption, our salvation, and for the understanding of that need. Uh, and so uh, if your security in life is bound around your riches or your wealth or even the futile attempts that we we manage at keeping the commandments of God, it's not sufficient. It's insufficient for uh, what is, is necessary. And I think that many of the, the things that, that Jesus taught in the Gospels uh, leads us to that conclusion. And that, of course, is what the Apostle Paul is teaching and describing in Romans chapters uh, 1 through 9 that we've studied so it's not security and, tr and treasures. And in God's law uh, makes us accountable. God's law makes us accountable. <clears throat> uh, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God because the works of the law, no flesh, in the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes knowledge of sin. So what was the purpose of the law? And why did Jesus uh, give the law to the rich young ruler there? Uh, because through the law comes knowledge of sin. The recognition and the conviction of, of sin uh, and then in Matthew 7, 24, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. So there's no question about the commands and the promises of God and the significance that is there uh, and the need for, for uh, living righteously in regard to those commands and promises. But <clears throat> the... Law brings knowledge of sin. It brings the whole world, makes the whole world accountable to God. And Jesus said, he who hears these words of mine and acts on them. So uh, often we as believers think that, that just hearing the word is sufficient, but the acting upon them is what God is, is concerned with. And it's where our, our security, our stability is in that eternal life that has been given to us in Christ Jesus. So uh, God's law makes us accountable and we, we do not adhere, uh, and, and I just, I wanna say these things in regard to <clears throat> living the Christian life. And I know it's, it's, it's really uh, good, it wasn't planned, but uh, Barb and, and uh, 
we, we appreciate uh, those that brought up uh, the election. It's so important for us as believers uh, to, uh, to go uh, as believers to the election and, and, and use uh, as the, the working of the word and the expression of God's word and the, the life of a, of a biblical worldview in our country. Uh, we're in very, very serious trouble as a nation. Uh, and we need, as God's people, to, uh, to take action, to move uh, on, on as salt and light in the earth. That, that the word of God that's been given to us, and being fed to us, is uh, not uh, set aside, but that we are, are pursuing the truth of that word uh, so that in a, a very real way, it's he that hears these words and acts upon them. God's people need to act with a biblical perspective and a biblical worldview. But in saying that, <clears throat> it's important for us as well to understand that we do not adhere to dominion theology. So Christian dominionism is the belief that God desires Christians to rise to power through civil systems so that his word might then govern the nation. Okay, uh, Christian dominionist and Christian dominionism is uh, a, a very serious view uh, that many believers carry. Um, and uh, there's this idea, and many of them from prophetic views that, that declare that, that Christians are going to bring in the kingdom because of our actions. And, and they get things like that from such passages that say and declare <clears throat> that um, um, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. You know? So if the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church, then let's uh, forge the, uh, the federal government and let's take over this place with, by inserting Christians and those with a biblical perspective in places of power and will take over these things. So the point is, is this, that the divine institution of the church is, uh, was not given by God to replace the divine institution of government. Okay? So just having a biblical view of what government is about and we're in a, a terrible situation right now because globalists are, are making uh, a, a, this tremendous leap and move toward a global one world government. And if we know a little bit about the scripture, we know that we don't want to go there, that it's, it's ungodly, it's satanic in its very nature. And as believers, we should know that why God established nations, that he established nations uh, to, to, uh, to stop the spread of evil. And, and discipline of nations falls on nations all throughout human history has fallen on nations because they, they violate God's word, God's truth, and it gets so bad that God wipes them out, wipes out entire civilizations, entire nations. Uh, so uh, this end time thing that we're witnessing as we move toward that, because we know that Christ is returning to judge the nations. And, uh, and so what do we do as believers? One thing is vote. You know, go 
and vote and vote with a biblical and Christian perspective. But we also need to understand the, some of the issues and some of the things that, that uh, Christians uh, and some Christian groups are embracing so that we are not uh, falling into that trap of trying to replace the divine institution of government with the divine institution of the church. Okay, so dominionism, let me read that second uh, quote there. Dominionism or Christian dominionism is a term coined by social scientists and popularized by journalists to refer to a subset of Christ American Christianity that is conservative, politically active, and believes that Christians should and eventually will take control of the government. The term is sometimes used as a catch-all by bloggers to describe any politically active, politically minded Christians is a, dominion, a dominionist. Now, this is, uh, the definitions come from uh, got questions. You can check those out for yourself. It's good to, to think about it and to look at it and to know, uh, you know where we need to be placing our feet as God's people here. But uh, uh, Christian dominionism, we, we definitely want to uh, separate ourselves from. Uh, and then there's also reconstructionism. The reconstructionists say that dominion will be achieved by each Christian excelling in his or her individual field. Christian artists taking dominion of the art world, Christian musicians taking dominion of the music world, Christian businessmen taking dominion of the business world, etc. until all the systems and fields are subdued. So uh, Reconstructionism is similar to dominionism, um, but in both cases, the divine institution of the church is, is uh, attempting to replace the institution of government, and you know that's one of the things that separation of church and state is about, um, and we need to keep that distinction. Um, but having said these things, uh, you know it's important that we're we're uh, articulating that we speak uh, truth from the Bible. Okay, in other words. Uh, we have a movement that, and the movement is, is filled with a number of, of uh, Reconstructionist or uh, Christian Dominionist, but abolition of abortion, abolition of abortion is exactly right. It's what needs to happen because it's murder. It's the taking of a life, a fully uh, a potential human individual that is distinct from any other individual or any other thing. And we need to stand against these things. And so what do we do? We stand with them. We stand with them because it's just wrong. And if we're, we're going to, to represent Christ and represent truth to the world that, that God has left us in, then we need to uh, speak and we need to take action when opportunity uh, uh, grants us. Uh, the, the recent thing that has happened with the um, <clears throat> with this ruling by the Texas, uh, what is the court, Sandy? Uh, court, of court of Criminal Appeals. Yeah, Court of Criminal Appeals. They ruled that our Attorney General cannot prosecute voter fraud. Now you try to explain that to me. It, it makes absolutely no sense. But I'm certain that, that many of us voted for, for
for those judges that are, are seated and made that judgment. And I can't think of any good reason why they would want to, um, to, uh, to keep our attorney general from prosecuting voter fraud. It's all bad. Uh, but those are the things that are happening. We as believers have to be, we've got to do better as far as like uh, for voting for people, uh, seeing people in office. Uh, and it's something that we should do. It's, it's, uh, it's something that we should have uh, a sense about. And there's many other things. But what I'm saying this morning, what I just want to say and move on from here is that we need to take responsibility, uh, civic responsibility, in regard to the elections coming up and the, the, the gravity of what's happening in our country. Uh, we need to be uh, stellar before God, that we not only hear his word, but we act upon it, that we speak in regard to it with boldness, speak the truth, and act the truth, do the truth. Okay, so let me move on from here, because... <clears throat> Because not only are we in this condition uh, spiritually as that there's none good, no, not one, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And what we celebrate this morning is that like Christ, we must relinquish our personal power. Okay? So if we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us, there's this transfer of control. Uh, it's our will submitting to the word of God as children of promise. The word of God is spoken to us. By faith, we believe the word of God and we act in obedience to the word of God by the power of God working in, in us and enabling us because we have this power, this excellency of this power that it's of God and not of us. And he is able. He's able to deliver me. He's able to, to uh, order my steps in accordance with his word. But he asks and he, he demands obedience, he that hears the word and acts upon it. That's where the power is for God's children and God's people. We must proclaim the word of God by acting in accordance with the, with the word of God as well as speaking the truth of the word of God in this lost and desolate and needy planet earth that we live upon. God left us here for such things. <clears throat> okay, so... Then there's also the fact that like Christ, our striving must be in his power. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Um, the, the Lord Jesus Christ was completely dependent upon the, the leading of the Holy Spirit, the guidance of the Father, and his taking upon himself flesh was the display of his relinquishing his personal power and in, in, in walking and acting in unity with the will of the Father. And that's, the, that's what we're called to. And we, we do that as children of promise in the word of God. It's the word of God has spoken to us in obedience that God enables us to do in Christ Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The spirit of Christ Jesus in God's people. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also, and this is the Apostle Paul speaking, I labor striving according to his power. Uh, that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Uh, have you considered that we've been given the grace to labor according to God's, to Christ's power working in us? 
That's salvation. That's deliverance. That's the real deal. I labor striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. I hope that we have that experience as God's people, that we may know that mighty power, the mighty works that, that God himself will work in me because he saved me for that reason. We're called for that purpose. We're called to represent him in such a way. Uh, a third point here that we want to make is that children of promise live by faith. Our righteousness is attained by faith and not works. That mighty power is worked through God's people by faith in the promises and in the commands that God has given to us. That is, it is not the children of flesh, descendants of Abraham or Israel, who are children of God, but the children of promise are regarded as descendants. So that act of faith and trust the relinquishment of our will to the Father's will and his word through that promise or through that command is where power and glory is, that glory that belongs to the children of promise, the children of God. And so that's what we have learned from Romans chapter 9. It says, what shall we say then that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness attained righteousness, even the righteousness which is by faith? So we're not left with the fact that I'm just not a good boy. You know, we're not left there. We're given this grace, this salvation by God in Christ Jesus. And then uh, our will and our energy and our power must be God's work in us by faith. So then it does not depend on, on the man who wills or the man who exerts, uh, that's his power in the flesh, but upon God who has mercy. Isn't that awesome? The, the hope of, of doing anything of any significance in the Christian life is based upon the power of God through our faith or our simple trust in him. You know, it's just amazing. God has supplied everything in his grace. There's no glory that's going to be given to you. You're not going to be proclaimed a good person. It's going to be that Christ is the glorious Lord and Savior. He is the one and all glory goes to God. That's the bottom line. So let's uh, prepare our hearts. Uh, I would like to uh, ask the, the men to come forward.